0: You are radiant because, even at my worst, you see my best. You are radiant because you take care of us. You are radiant because even when I walk away from you, you walk towards me. You are radiant because you're there for me, even when I'm not there for you. You are radiant because I can always trust you to battle for me in prayer. You are radiant because you are like the flowers. You are radiant because you're simply the most beautiful woman I've ever known. You are radiant because not only are you friends to those around you, but you are my best friend. You are radiant because even though I don't want to admit it, you do know everything. You are radiant because when you walk in, the whole room lights up. Today we're going to talk about Radiant, and I believe it's going to have something impactful for every person, every mom, everyone that's joined us. In fact, if you have a Bible, or if you get your scripture through your phone or iPad, wherever that is, will you go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1? 1 Samuel chapter 1. As you're turning there, I thought I'd just share um, a little piece of information about moms. This is called, You Know You're a Mom When? You Know You're a Mom When? Dot, dot, dot. Ready? Number one, you know you're a mom when... You count the number of sprinkles on each cup take, cupcake to make sure they're all equal. I had a mom over here in the last service that waved and said, I do that. Okay, number two, you know you're a mom when you hide in the bathroom to have some alone time. Right? Come on, moms. You know you're a mom when your child throws up and you catch it. My personal favorite, you know you're a mom when someone else's child throws up and you keep on eating. Doesn't even bother you. I'll have seconds. You know you're a mom when you give something to an adult and then correct them with, now what do you say? You know you're a mom when you hope that ketchup is considered a vegetable because that's the only thing your child will eat. You know you're a mom when you find yourself cutting your husband's sandwiches into unusual shapes. You know you're a mom when you obsess when your child clings to you as they're leaving for school and then obsess when they quit clinging to you and walk away without looking back. Oh, you heard it in the room, didn't you? You are a mom when... You read that the average five-year-old asks 437 questions a day, and you're excited because your child is above average. (laughs) Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read this passage of Scripture. We're going to learn what it means to be radiant. The word radiant is only used a few times in the Bible. In fact, there's no use of that word in connection to a mom except for one time in the message translation. And so I want to read that passage to you. It's about a woman named Hannah. And I want everyone to join me in reading that passage. Let's read together from the beginning. First Samuel chapter 1. Those of you joining us online, will you speak this as well? Eli answered her, go in peace. And may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and went her way. Then she ate heartily, her face radiant up before dawn they worshiped God let's close our eyes Holy Spirit we thank you for your presence the word this word that we're reading it's powerful it's sharper than a two-edged sword pierces between soul and spirit it understands the thoughts and intents of our heart and God I pray that you do a little supernatural spiritual surgery today that you would deposit truth, encouragement into our hearts. And Lord, I'm declaring, I'm declaring right now in the name of Jesus that every person, not just mom, but every person that is in this room or joining us online, that today they're going to leave radiant with the grace and favor and strength and peace of God. So we surrender to you right now. Take a moment and just open your heart. Maybe you want to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Maybe you want to say, God, I surrender. Take a moment. Holy Spirit, we make room for you. Speak loudly and boldly in this place on Mother's Day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Excited to have those of you joining us in San Francisco, Sacramento, Brazil. Denver, Sweden, man, we're glad you're with us, literally all over the world. What a pleasure. The word radiant, it means this, it means to shine with happiness. It's to glow, the glow of joy, the glow of peace. There's a sense of contentment, a sense of joy, a sense of happiness that is on their face. You know, Hannah, it says, was radiant. We know that Hannah, her name in the Hebrew means favored by God. We know that Hannah was blessed that she had a son and his name was Samuel. He was one of the greatest prophets that Israel had ever seen. But let me tell you, even though the end of Hannah's story is filled with so much joy and so much, you know, blessings, it didn't begin that way. In fact, it began opposite. Instead of being full of joy, as many translations say, it's the word downhearted. She was discouraged. In fact, let me read a little bit of that to you. Let's take a look at the beginning of Hannah's story. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 2 says, Elkanah, this was her husband, had two wives. The first was Hannah. The second was Pinena. Peninnah had children. Hannah did not. Every year this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to God. But her rival wife taunted her cruelly rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. You see, Hannah's story, although we discover in the verse that we read that she was radiant, it didn't begin that way. It began with sorrow. It began with despair, depression, And why? Well, first of all, as we can see, her family was dysfunctional. Anybody identify with Hannah? (laughs) There was fighting going on. There was gossip. People were talking about each other. There was conflict. But not only that, here was the real issue. Hannah could not have children. She was barren. The word barren means childless. But let me tell you, there are other types of barrenness. Barrenness can maybe be an unfulfilled dream, Barrenness can be unproductive, broken relationships, and maybe you 're here today, like Hannah, and as she came into the house of God, supposed to be filled with joy, expecting to worship instead, she left depressed, discouraged, and maybe you 've come today or you 've come to church before, and you 're carrying some despair and sadness, some barrenness in some area of your life maybe you 're not a mother, but maybe you 're here and you 're a father, and there 's some problems in your home maybe you 're here and you 've lost your mom or maybe you're a mom and you've lost a child and Mother's Day is bittersweet for you, I want to tell you something today, this weekend is for you because there is a message, have you ever carried a trial or a burden that pulled you down? If that's the case, say amen or let me see your hand, we've all been there. So whether you're a mom or you're not a mom, today we're going to learn about radiance, about allowing God to transform our hearts, our mindset, to go from despair to joy, to go from discouragement to peace, to find contentment. Anybody want to find peace, joy, and contentment in your life, say amen. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to read a little bit more of the story. We find out that they would go every year to worship, and when they would go, Hannah was reminded that she was not able to have children, and she was depressed so much that she couldn't even eat. Let's continue on. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. Then she pulled herself together. This is after her husband came and said, why are you not eating? And he had given her the, every time they went to the, the temple for the peace offering, and he would give her an extra portion of meat in the meal just to let her know that he understood what she was going through. And She was so sad that she wouldn't even eat. But in this situation, in this particular time, her husband talked with her, and this is where we pick up the story. Then she pulled herself together, slipped away quietly, and entered the sanctuary. Let me just stop right there. There's a whole bunch of great truth right there. When you're facing trials and challenges of life, what did she do? She went to the sanctuary. The priest, Eli, was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God. And cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. Oh God of the angel armies, if you take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I will give him completely unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. It so happened that as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. He approached her and said, you're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, women. How many of you have ever had a bad day that just got worse? (laughs) I went to church, and then that preacher... Hannah said, oh, no, no, sir, please. I'm a woman, hard used. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart, pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. Now, I want to stop and say, there's a lot to this story that I could talk about. We could talk about the fact that Hannah, in her prayer, we could focus on her prayer and her vow, which she's known as one of the greatest prayers in the Bible because her prayer is the second longest recorded prayer in the Old Testament. Not only that, but she's a woman who was considered kind of theological because she introduced a new theme of who God was when she prayed to the Lord God Almighty that had never been used in Scripture before. There's a lot of things that we could, you know, focus on in this passage. We could talk about the vow. We could talk about bringing your children to God and leaving them there and dedicating them to God. There's a lot to focus on. But today, since we're talking about radiance, I want to focus on on another part of the story. You see, she came and she was downhearted. She came and she was sad. She came carrying her burdens. She came and was misunderstood by the priest. Anybody here ever felt misunderstood? But what's interesting is she didn't leave filled with sorrow. She left radiant with joy. And I began to ask myself the question, what was one of the key components from this passage that changed her mentality, that changed her heart, that changed her mindset? And so what I want to do today is I want to give you two things that I saw in this passage that I think if you grab a hold of, the good news is you can walk out of this room different than you walked in. Instead of downhearted or discouraged or feeling hopeless, you can leave radiant with joy, with contentment, and with peace. If you think that's a good thing, somebody say amen. amen. So here's point number one. You ready? How do we become radiant? Well, point number one is simply this. If you're going to be radiant, you have to learn, like Hannah, to lay it down before God. You see, to be radiant, you have to learn to lay it down before God. Every year, year after year, she would go into the house of the Lord. We, we, we read this. But what would happen? She would carry it back out with her. And she was sad and she was discouraged. But something happened this year that was different than any other year. And I'm praying that happens for you. Because there's many of you who have come to church year after year. You've come Mother's Day year after year. And you've walked back out. You see, kind of this idea can be told through an example. For me, for instance, how many of you have ever um, had, maybe you're getting ready to go to bed. Now we live in a two-story home and uh, I just had a birthday and, you know, the older you get as the the night comes to an end, the less you want to walk back downstairs and do anything. How many know what I'm talking about, right? When when you're ready for bed, right? You're like, I don't want to go back downstairs. And so this particular time, I had to go back downstairs because I realized, you know, everybody was in bed, everything was done, but there was something I had that needed to go downstairs. So I, you know, grabbed the thing that I was carrying, and I picked it up, and, and uh, it wasn't necessarily a backpack, but I'm using this as an illustration. So I make my way, leave the room, and I walk down the stairs, you know, and I get downstairs, and as I'm downstairs getting ready to take this thing and lay it down where it's supposed to be, I start realizing I don't know if I locked the garage door, so I went over and I locked the garage door. And the next thing I knew is there was a light on in the bathroom, and I turned the light on the off in the bathroom. Then I went over and made sure that the doggy door was closed, and then I walked back upstairs to get back in bed. Anybody ever had that happen to you? You had to go back downstairs. Why? Because you'd went to where you were supposed to, to lay it down, but you got distracted, whatever happened, and you were still carrying what you were supposed to lay down. You see, I think that's what happened to Hannah year after year after year. She would come into the house of God, but because she lost sight of who God was, she lost sight of the situation, and she focused on her trial, that she ended up walking back out. And the next thing she knew, she was still carrying the thing that she needed to lay down before God. In fact, I want to show you a verse that's found in 1 Peter chapter 5. It gives us kind of some insight into this concept. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. It says, give all your worries and cares to who? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Let me give you a little insight into that word give, because it gives us, I think, an idea of how we lay down things before God. The word give is a Greek word, and here's what it means. It means to fling or to throw. Uh, Pastor Chip, why don't you come stand right here? So what the Bible says, if we're going to be able to lay the burden down, that we don't lay it down, but we have to throw it. (laughs) Now, here's the idea. You see, if you throw something, it's impossible to hang on to it. Poor Chip's nervous, isn't he? (laughs) Now, it's possible for me to try to hand it, but if I hand it, I'm still holding on to it. It's not until I throw it, cast your care. (laughs) Chip's over there going. You see, it's in the process of throwing It's a process of flinging. Thank you, Pastor Chip. You can just put that down. Here's the point is that many times you and I end up back in our homes, back in our circumstances, back upstairs next to the bed, not realizing that we're still carrying the thing that is causing us to lose our joy and lose our radiance. And in this situation, Hannah came into the house of God and something happened. She was able to cast her care. You know what, everywhere I go, I hear this song and it's driving me nuts. I'm getting so tired of it. You probably heard it, ready? Let it go, let it go. How many are sick of that song? (laughs) I mean, every time you hear it, you think, let it go. (laughs) And everywhere you go, you hear it. I was just, last weekend, my wife and I were doing a wedding down in Cancun. I know, it's a tough life. Somebody has to do ministry for the Lord. And so I'm in Cancun, Mexico, and I'm going through the lobby and I hear, let it go, let it go. I'm like, I chihuahua. I mean, I'm like. But you know what? There's something about that song that we all identify with. And it's the realization that too many times we're still carrying the burden that God wants to have. In fact, did you know what the scripture says? It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying burdens, and I will give you rest. God wants you to lay it down before God. In other words, you know, when I was in Mexico and wanted to play volleyball on the beach, you know, when you're traveling, you, especially in another country, you usually carry some kind of special pack. Maybe it's a fanny pack or whatever, and it's got your passports in there and your money, and you know, you're trying to take care of it because you don't want to lose that stuff, right? And so if you go to the beach like me, and I'm by myself, Devet didn't go, and I've got all this important stuff, and I want to play volleyball, but I can't do that at the same time and hold on to this stuff, I have to put it somewhere. So, you know, what, you, what do you do? You kind of try to put it somewhere close by where you can see it, because that way when you're playing, you know, but then you can't really play, right, because you're not into the game, because you're worried that someone's going to come by and take your stuff, and, and the reason is, is because you put it somewhere, you're not quite sure it's safe where you've placed it. So now, if DeVette had gone with me, here's what I could have done, I could have given it to DeVette, because DeVette's my beautiful wife, and I know that she would take care of it. And one of the challenges of letting it go is a lot of us let it go, but we don't lay it down before God. What we do is we lay it down at the feet of our therapist. Or we lay it down at the feet of a friend. Hey, you identify with what's going on. We lay it down at the feet of our effort and our intellect. Intellect. And then we wonder why we're still carrying that load. We're still carrying that burden. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest, for my burden is light. My yoke is easy. You see, here's the big question. The question really isn't, have you laid it down? The question is, where have you laid it down? See, what Hannah did is she went into the house of God She had the ability finally after all those years to cast her care, to lay it down in the right place. Lay it down. I believe one of the significant points of this story for you and I is the key for you finally to get free from that burden that you've been carrying. Finally quit walking through life forgetting that on your back is... A care is a worry. Is something is to learn how to come before the Lord because I'm going to tell you, you can trust him with it. Just like I could trust Yvette. You can trust God with your cares. Jesus said, come to me. Lay your burdens down because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Lay it down before God. Here's the second thing you have to do. Y'all still with me? Say amen. The second thing you have to do is not only lay it down before God, but maybe for you, you're thinking, well, Pastor Jerry, that's a good idea. It makes sense. I understand it. But how? How do I lay it down? I'm not quite sure what that looks like. Well, let me give you, at least from the story, an idea of what we see. And that's point number two, which is not only do you lay it down before God, but secondly, you lay it down through worship. You lay it down through worship. It's interesting because if you read the story... Hannah had finally, she quit, she wouldn't eat anything, remember? And then finally she began to consume the peace offering. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 18. It says, and she went her way. This is after she'd had a, you know, a, a meeting with Eli, the high priest. She went her way, then she ate heartily. So she participated in the offering of worship, And her face became radiant. And the very next thing, what? Upon dawn, they arise and worship. Let me tell you a little bit about this offering of worship that she gave. Because that will help bring some insight on why there's freedom that comes. Why there's peace. Why there's joy that comes through laying down our burden through worship. The peace offering was not what we often think of as a modern day peace offering. When you think of a peace offering... What do you think? You probably think of a husband bringing roses to his wife because of some dumb thing he did, right? A peace offering. You all with me? Any man ever had to do that? Say amen. Or maybe you think of you going and buying ice cream for a friend because you're kind of making everything better. You're resolving the issue. You're appeasing, you're bringing the peace because of your offering. But well, let me tell you, this is not what it means. When they came to bring a peace offering, it was not like many of the offerings in the Old Testament. When they came, they brought a lamb, and that lamb was then sacrificed before God. The priest took a portion that belonged to them, the one of the breast and shoulder. They kept that for themselves, and then the rest of the animal was sacrificed Unto God, as an offering unto him for him to consume as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And when they would do that, it was called an offering offering of propitiation, which was to basically um, have God appease or take care of their sin. They make a payment. That's why Jesus, when he came, he became the eternal propitiation for us. When he died on the cross and his body was broken, his blood was shed, he became the continual offering for us for our sin, the sin offering. This peace offering was not that. It was not coming to God and saying, God, I'm asking you to appease me. I want to appease you by offering this to you. This offering was different. And here's what the purpose of the peace offering was. It was a voluntary decision. It wasn't commanded. It was a voluntary decision to come before God, to offer him this animal, just simply to worship him and thank him for his faithfulness. So they showed up and they said, God, here I am. I'm not doing this to appease you. I'm not doing this for sin. Um, I'm just coming to worship you and thank you for your faithfulness. And what's interesting is on this particular offering, most offerings when they were given were consumed by God. But when they came and brought the peace offering, here's what God said. Since you've come to worship me, just burn the fat and the kidneys. Let the priest take the breast and the thigh And all the rest, I'm going to give back to you for you to eat and consume as a celebration and a feast to symbolize that we are in relationship. It was also called a fellowship offering, that we are in fellowship, that we are in peaceful relationship with one another. You see, they came to worship and God blessed them with peace. It's interesting because if you look at the scripture, we see this idea play out in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says this. It says, Don't worry about what? Anything. Anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience, in other words, come and lay your burdens, cast your care, pray and share your needs, just like Hannah did. She came and she said, God, don't you see what I'm going through? She laid her request before God, and then it says, and thank me and praise me. So pray, lay it down before me, and worship me. And what does the Bible say? When you do that, then you will experience God's what? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. Somehow, there is this miraculous, miracle, supernatural thing that takes place. When you and I learn how to come to God, even when we're without child, even when we're without hopes and dreams, even when things have fallen apart in our life, even when people are accusing us, rather than just worshiping him when everything is good and just worshiping him when all of our wants and desires have been taken care of. But when we come to God and we say, God, here it is. I'm sharing my needs, but I want you to know, even though I don't have everything I want, I praise you because you're faithful and I praise you because you're mighty and I praise you because you're holy. I praise you because nothing is impossible with you. God, I praise you. worship you. Isn't it interesting that when she does this, she comes and lays it down. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 1, verse 17. Eli then answered her. This is after she gave her request. Go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Now look what she says because this is some insight here. She says, well, think well of me and pray for me. She said, and they went and went her way. Then she ate hardly. Her face was radiant. Sometimes I think people think that the reason she was happy was because the priest had said, may God grant your request. And so she thought for sure she was going to have a son. But if you look at her words in response to that, there's no sure, clear indication that she knew that was going to happen. Because what did she say? She said, well, keep thinking about me. Keep praying for me. I hope that, basically here's what she's saying. I hope that this thing you said happens. You see, sometimes we end up Missing out on peace. We miss out on radiance, happiness, and joy because we've tied our joy to our circumstances. I think one of the most powerful things about this story is simply this. She was sad and then she was happy. She was depressed and then she had peace. She was downhearted but now she's radiant. Why? Well, here's one thing you need to know. Nothing in her circumstances had changed. She hadn't had a child yet. She didn't even know if she was going to have a child. But somehow, in this process of coming to God and saying, God, listen, I'm going to give my cares to you. I'm going to lay down my my burdens before you. But I'm also going to just begin to thank you. I'm going to trust that you're sovereign. I'm going to trust that you're good. I'm going to trust that you're faithful. I'm not going to let my worship, my relationship be based on everything around me. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. I'm going to trust in you. And somehow, when we come with that kind of thank offering, God has this way of turning around and giving back just like you did with the peace offering just like it says in Philippians and suddenly you find yourself with a smile suddenly you find yourself with the confidence suddenly you find new hope rising up inside of you why? because when we worship when we lay it down God begins to release his radiance his glory and his peace God can't give you peace if you're still holding on to your cares and too many of us our hands are full full of the backpacks full of the questions full of the whys listen there's nothing wrong with saying why there's nothing wrong with saying God I'm disappointed but there comes a point where you have to stand up and say I may not understand it but I worship you and when you can get to the point of laying it down and worshiping him I'm promising you you'll begin to find a transformation. We can't explain how it happens. I don't know how it does, but somehow a supernatural transfer will begin to happen in you. That's why we can need to worship every day because it's easy to try to pick it back up. So you just get up in the morning and you say, God, I thank you. God, I trust you. God, I'm gonna praise you. I thank you that, that all things work together for the good to love, that to those that love you. I thank you that nothing is impossible with you and I'm gonna tell you as you and I learn how to be people who lay it down and worship, Instead of sorrow, you'll be radiant. You'll walk in joy and you'll walk in peace and you'll walk in contentment. I know there's some people who are hurting here today, just like Hannah. I talked to a woman after the first service. She said, I'm Hannah. I've never been able to have children. But she was crying. She said, thank you. She laid it down at the right place before the Lord. She put her faith and hope and trust in the Lord and just said, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I want to show you a verse that the Lord gave me as we end this. I want the worship team to come. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, this passage is a passage in context speaking about husbands and wives. It's about marriage. But inside this, this verse is a hidden, powerful truth that I think we need to make sure we don't scroll past. says this it says husbands love your wives and all the wives said amen Amen. and all the husbands said amen too okay good job you're going to be okay when you get home (laughs) husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church now look at this and gave himself up for her now what it does is it goes on to tell us why jesus gave himself for her who's her the bride of christ that's you and i So Jesus came, God's Son, He died on a cross, He became the sacrifice, He laid down His life because of His love for us, but then He tells us why. Why? Well, one of the reasons is to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. So in other words, Jesus came to give you and I a Holy Ghost Ghost dry-cleaning. Because the bottom line is we're stained and we're spotted. We're marked with a thing called sin. Somebody say, maybe you know that. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the, we'll see this in a minute, the glory. So Jesus came to cleanse us, to get rid of sin, so that we could be at peace with God. But that's not only the reason why he came. Look at what it goes on to say. Not only did he come to make us holy and to cleanse us, but also, what does it say? To make holy to make her holy cleansing her by the washing of the water of the word and to present her to himself as a what a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in other words sin it dulls the glory All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Listen, Jesus didn't just come so that you could be forgiven and made holy. He came so that you could experience his joy. In fact, he died so that you could be radiant. He died so that you could live joyful. He died so that you could live with peace. So why live carrying that burden anymore? Let Jesus fulfill his destiny in your life, not just in heaven one day, but in this earth. To live joyful, to live full of joy joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the word radiant. Some translation says he died to make her a glorious church. That word is very similar. It means to glow, to shine. It's time to quit living carrying that on your back, that burden. It's time to quit living with no peace, with no joy. Jesus died to make you radiant full of glory to shine